Welcome to the VoxGig podcast. We talk to people in the developer community about developer relations, public speaking, and community events. For more details, visit voxgig.com podcast. All right, let's get started. Today, I'm talking to Michiel Mulders, and mostly about documentation and the management thereof, and in particular, content analytics. Because if you don't know how your users are reading your documentation, you don't know what your documentation is actually achieving. Here we go. Michiel, welcome to the Fireside Fox Geek podcast. Uh, I'm delighted to have you on today. Um, and uh, I believe you're having better weather than me, but that is usually the case. I'm in Ireland with my usual rainy <laughs> weather. My guests always seem to have better sunshine than me. How are you doing? I am great. There is a little bit of sunshine in Belgium at the moment, so Excellent. very pleased with that. Cool. I'm so glad to have you on um, because you are doing uh, devrailuni.com, uh, which is kind of awesome. Uh, yep. a university for people to learn about de developer relations. Um, tell me more about it. So our goal is to sort of fill the DevRel gap in Web3 in the blockchain space. Uh, we are educating Web2 developers to become Web3 developer relations experts. And we are hosting like monthly, bi-monthly cohorts uh, where we teach um, developers the skills they need to become a DevRel. Um, I am specifically hosting the documentation strategy workshop, but there are workshops in community building, organizing events, technical writing, um, and even even many more um, workshops. Um, yeah, so it's a free university. People can apply for it. Uh, when they get accepted, we require them to spend a couple of hours per week listening to the recordings and um, working on a small workshop each week and at the end they well they can graduate and they are a little bit more confident in becoming a devrel so that's our goal wow really cool how long does the course last it lasts five weeks five weeks so wow. five talks and five workshops it sounds a little bit like the um sort of y combinator model yeah, it's you can you can compare it to like uh, an express bootcamp. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's not like the full full time one where you spend like twenty hours per week. You can do this in your evening hours after work. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. It's specifically designed that way. And are you running it as a business? What sort of no, supports it? It's it's more about well, first of all, getting people into Web3, um, also slightly to promote uh, the company I'm working for, Hedera okay. Hashgraph, um, because we are always looking for DevRels. Um, and thirdly, just personal branding as a documentation expert. And I really like doing this. It gives me the opportunity to like speak publicly or virtually at least and get more confident on that uh, field as well. Awesome. And is it, so is there a limit to the cohort? Do, do you say it's only going to be... 10 people, or it could be 100? Um, usually, we try to keep it between 30 and 50. Because um, okay. we prefer the smaller size, then we can do more personalized learning. Also, give everyone that's uh, applying like feedback to the workshops they do. Um, if we would run it with 100 people, we won't be able to like provide quality feedback. And for us, it's yeah. also like a small-scale thing we do after our hours. So we don't want to take on too too big of a challenge here. Gotcha. So okay, so you've 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 uh, 
pre-recorded or pre-built some content, and then there's a kind of a community but, action element. It's actually all live. So we're hosting a, oh, the talks oh, always wow. live so people can ask questions. We we don't wow. like pre-recorded Wonderful. sessions. Wonderful. Wow. Um that's amazing. Actually, that's a lot. That's that's hard work. That is hard. It's hard. Work. Well, when 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 you get in the routine of doing the talk, it, it gets easier. <laughs> yeah, this is true. This is true. I did a I did a, a year of university lecturing. Yeah. Mobile app development and um, wow, it, it goes was, natural. <laughs> it was hard work. <laughs> was it? Oh, yeah, preparing lectures and assignments mm. and grading, um, and then just giving the lectures. So that my the way, well, the lectures that I gave were two hour lectures with a one hour with a coffee break in the middle. <laughs> so it was pretty intense stuff, um, and I, I developed a huge respect for people who teach in all mm. in all uh, uh, yeah because it's a it's a hard job. I, it's a hard job i'm giving the same lecture over and over so i can't really call myself a real teacher i would say but but um you know i have this experience you know when i do conference talks and i give the same one at a couple of different conferences mm-hmm. it's better <laughs> it gets better yeah. more um you know you to learn which which uh, examples resonate with the audience that type of stuff that's true like i've been improving my documentation workshop like over and over and over with feedback from friends with feedback from some of the participants and adding more examples adding interactive content like gifis they they do love gifis uh that show instead of like showing a screenshot they were like oh but can you show us but i can't open google analytics also it's like sometimes proprietary information from my company so Sure. I created Giphys to to solve the problem and make it more fun for them. Interesting. Yeah, I've been I've been trying to saying I should experiment with that with my own open source for years. Um, I might I might finally be uh, inspired to do it. Let's let's talk a little bit about um, your background and how you got into doing developer relations. Was yeah, um, something that you well, always wanted to do, or did you end up like a lot of people no. by accident? <laughs> By accident, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, my education is software engineering. Uh, also started working at a consultancy firm in Belgium. Well, it was a blockchain consultancy firm very early in 2017. Um, but like after that, after that, I joined regular consultancy and I was getting bored of working in sprints and not really being creative, just yeah, slamming down code and yeah. So I was doing a, a writing side hustle all along since college and this kind of exposed me to like writing technical content for some websites in the beginning it was like sidepoint which was um, one of the main tech websites for tutorials um and after my second job uh, i got the opportunity to move into developer marketing and that was like the first time well it was at the beginning it was like called developer marketing but it became devrel um, and this exposed me to like content creation, doing webinars, public speaking, and also a bit of search engine optimization. I don't really like this part of it, but it was part of it. And then finally, I discovered that it's actually called developer relations. And since 2018, 19, I've been doing DevRel as a full-time employee for multiple companies now. Um, and I really enjoy the mix I get between 
still having the technical skills, um, creating code examples, but also doing public speaking, communication, community building, and a little bit of marketing. Um, since since a while, I'm like focusing on creating technical video content because it like really combines the technical aspects with um, being creative with with um, your video editing, creating animations. Um, don't overdo it though. <laughs> Um, it's a, it's a very fun skill to explore, and I I feel and I also see in the industry that people really tend to like video content over um, written content with images. I when I when I can choose, I will always choose a video content. Um, yeah, we're we're consuming more and more video, so it felt like a natural thing to learn. Um, but yeah, so that, that's my my journey, how I ended up in in Defrel and. Seeing a lot of bad documentation projects, um, I started looking into it. I was first trying to optimize the technical writing, optimizing the documentation structure. And then I, I started diving deeper and deeper into content analytics with Google Analytics, optimizing the search and optimizing the developer experience. Um, it became a rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have we have a lot of stuff to get back to. You've just mentioned it. Yeah. So it's great that Developer relations has a name now, isn't it? Because a lot of us were yeah. doing all this stuff, and it was like, "Oh, but you have a real job as well, right?" And now we can say, "This I'm, is this is actually my job." I'm finally able to label myself. Yeah. But explaining it to friends and family, they oh. look at me like, "What do you do?" <laughs> <laughs> say again. <laughs> and my official title now is developer advocate because we're also more building in public. Yes. And when yes. I say that, they are like, "Oh, you're a lawyer." You're a lawyer. <laughs> A tech lawyer? No, no, no. <laughs> yes, my, my yeah, my parents are very proud. I went into law. Um, <laughs> I, I yeah, I mean, I you know, we in my previous company, we ended up uh, renting an office on top of a hill mm -hmm. in a small town, um, and uh, the, the we were known locally as as because you know we did we we did high end enterprise consulting. You right. can't explain high end enterprise consulting. Someone who who doesn't do that is not in software. Uh, <laughs> sounds kind of crazy. So they they just called us the computer people on the hill. <laughs> the computer people. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Computer people. That's not a good so, label, though. You know, but you know, we 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 weren't very friendly because we wouldn't fix printers and things like that. You know. I I also sh shrugged this question. Uh, I never uh, help people with my with uh, PC or computer problems. Oh, printers are the worst. I know. I'm terrible. I can't. Printers don't like me. I can't. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So I would like to talk about documentation. Um, yes. I have to admit, I have a personal interest in this. Um, and in fact, uh, Sinead, my colleague who helps organize the podcast and a whole bunch of other stuff, um, is always keen for us to be doing better on our documentation. Uh, so mm -hmm. any help <laughs> or any advice you can give us is uh, greatly appreciated. Um, just to, just to set some context, uh, I have, uh, an open source project that, uh, I've been working on for the last 10 years, a microservices framework. Um, it has, you know, about 150 plugins, examples, old and new, all sorts of stuff. Ooh. I've written a book about it, but I've always struggled to generate high quality documentation. Um, yeah, always. And I mean, you know, I've been trying to do it by hand, 
Uh, I try <laughs> to do it by conference talks, you know, random conference talks. Oh, that's also documentation. Um, you know, I'm kind of tired of editing Markdown, large Markdown. Mm. So uh, before before we started recording, you were talking about uh, something called Divio. So I don't yeah. know, let's do a bit of a deep dive and talk about... Yeah. If, if I came to you and I said, okay, you know, we're going to do this professionally. Uh, I'm a startup and I've, I've just got my Series A or whatever. And I'm beyond the MVP stage and we have an SD, complex SDK in multiple languages and an API. Our documentation was all written uh, in two weeks in a massive hurry. And we need to redo the whole thing from the beginning. What do we do? Yeah. So the Divio documentation system is like... It's like the base layer. It's like putting in the structure for your docs. And it, the system has been designed for people to, or for like documentation or for like for developers to structure their content in a meaningful way that makes it easier for developers to find the information they need. And also to understand like the tutorial section is like learning oriented and the, the how to guides or like to solve problems. So often I see. I see companies just using tutorials or mixing content. And when when developers learn a little bit about the product and they have like a specific problem and they they are looking for the solution for their specific problem, they are scanning through endless tutorials just to find the answer. And that's like super frustrating, not being able or not understanding where the information is structured. Um, so this is what the Divio documentation structure is trying to solve. Um, it's like um, a matrix with four squares, and on the top you have like the practical knowledge, and on the bottom you have the theoretical knowledge. Um, and on the top light, you, the top left, you can find tutorials. So tutorials are like learning oriented. They go into the deepest details you can provide to a developer, step by step guide, step by step information, to really teach someone the basics about your product. So what they often say is like they give a cooking analogy. And they say, we want to teach someone to cook. And they want to foc They don't want to focus on the outcome, but just like, how do you cook water? How do you boil water? You don't want to create a recipe. You just want to teach them the basics. And you're really hand-holding them. And on the right side, uh, you find how-to guides. So they are like problem-oriented. And they try to solve a specific problem a user has when they have learned a little bit about your product. So they learned the basics and now they want to build something and they run into a problem. They don't bother or they don't care about like, I need to install this package. I need to do this. I need to do this Docker setup. No, you leave out all of these details and you create like a hyper-specific guide, a short guide that solves their problem. And this avoids them to having to scroll through endless tutorials to find like a snippet of code they need. Um, and when, when you already have like just these two elements in place, um, it makes it so much easier for developers to understand where to find the information they need. Um, and if you combine this with good search, um, they can just type their problem and they should find the right guide. Um, to complete the, the matrix on the left bottom, you have explanations. So they are theoretical knowledge and they are understanding oriented. So... These are these are often like short snippets of information or like blog posts. It can be it can be different formats and FAQ is also possible. Um, and they often take a step back. They give you context. They give you background information, like why did they choose to implement the feature in a specific way, or why is the architecture of 
for example, the React project designed in this way. So they really help you to understand the decisions and the design choices that have been made. Um, and then the, the fourth, fourth thing is the reference guide. It's again, theoretical knowledge, but it's like information oriented. This is for like the developers that have like a lot of knowledge about their, your product and they want to quickly research um, a specific function in your SDK or API and they want to know what's the output parameter, what's the type of this parameter, um, how does this function work? Um, so this is like the base structure um, that I always try to implement with clients with our, with our own documentation to make finding the right information easy. And I think this is the base layer for developer experience as well. Wow. Okay. So you get you, yeah, because I think um, it often all gets mixed up together, right? Yeah. I often see the tutorials with the how-to guides and that's yeah. a big problem. So what we're talking about, just, just to kind of recap is you, you have to really structure things around tutorials versus how-to guides versus explanation oriented content versus reference. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the explanations, they don't necessarily have to live on the docs. Um, for us at Hedera, this was also a bit of a thing like, we want to explain our core concepts. Um, do we do this in blogs? Do we do this in an FEQ? Do we record some webinars or some videos that we link? Um, so explanations can live in multiple places. Um, it's something that's not very... Um, specific or like detailed in the DVO documentation system. It's a bit free to you to, to structure this information. So DVO itself is documentation system that Django, the Python framework uses, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I okay. think it originated from there. It's originated from 2017 PyCon uh, in Australia. Ah, okay. So, okay. So it's a, Presumably, it runs on Django itself. Um, how when you when you set up Divio, how do you deploy it? How, how do you run it? So it's it's not it's not it's just a philosophy. Um, so it's a philosophy that explains everything in detail. You can go to the website. It's documentation.divio.com, and it's up to you to to implement it. So you will create awesome. a new documentation project and just implement it according to this standard. Obviously, you can make some tweaks to it depending on your project and the complexity. But it provides you with a general structure. And it's also useful to have because if you're working in a documentation team, you want everyone to know how they should structure their information. And it it's acts as a, as a reference guide for other documentation people or uh, developers to structure the information in the docs. Gotcha. You don't want anyone to just add new tutorials while, while it should be a how-to guide. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Because a, a lot of companies just end up uh, sort of saying to developers, oh, yeah, well, you, you know, you have to write a blog post. <laughs> just write a blog post. And then just add it. <laughs> you get you get and you just get random stuff and you just let's just post it up, right? Goes yeah. A blog, exactly. And there's just a random stream of technical blogs that are not structured. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Okay, so you can use this structure to figure out where you have gaps, to figure out what <laughs> what the next pieces of work need to be. Um, people can orient it based on what they like to write. You know, do you like to do learning oriented tutorials? Do you prefer to mm -hmm. deep dive on a problem you've just solved, which is a how-to guide? Some people really love writing reference stuff and 
completing yeah dotting all the i's crossing all the t's um well i usually prefer to generate it although i would say it's not always perfect <laughs> it yeah. really depends also on how you document the code itself so yeah so how, i mean in terms of generation of documentation especially the reference stuff do you have any uh advice um, on that in terms of tooling or is it just the general principle yeah, just a general principle. Um, I wouldn't suggest you writing a reference guide manually, I would say. I would rather generate it and then tweak it. Yeah, absolutely. If necessary, yeah. One thing that drives me crazy with um, system documentation is lack of search. <laughs> yeah. It drives me nuts. Yeah. Especially when there's good solutions now, like Algolia, right? Yeah. Well, that, that was a nice transition to Algolia. <laughs> <laughs> did you like it? I like it. Yeah, do you see what I did there? <laughs> I, I see what you did there. So, yeah. So one of my my passions is also documentation search. And it's like a very specific thing. And people just think like, hmm, documentation search is just like, yeah, it's, it's shit. Um, it doesn't matter. You just type something in and it returns your results. But... If you combine it with Algolia, you can actually tweak your documentation search. The product is initially made for e-commerce websites to like really return the correct products and optimize their sales. But in the end, when you're serving developers, you're also doing sales, especially if you're developer tooling. Um, and for instance, Algolia, uh, uh, it gives you a couple of metrics that are like very valuable for your docs team um, to like collect and evaluate so for example um it shows you for which queries uh, it returns no results um and this is important because you don't want a developer to not find any results in your docs so sometimes the problem is that they used a different word to describe a feature and for example then you can use algolia to define synonyms so in the future when a developer searches for this keyword it will return the right feature um and the right pages that is really powerful yeah, and then another thing is as well, we had a problem at Hedera where if someone looked up a specific feature, it would return first the reference pages and the release notes. But uh, they would first return the release notes. And that was like a big problem because only result number eight was like the F actual reference implementation. Oh, yeah. And result nine was like the, the, the feature page. So that was a big problem. <laughs> and usually from research, the average click positions should be maximum three. So the click position refers to like which result uh, in the list of results the user clicks. Usually it should be the first, the second, or the third, not the eighth result. So this is also something Algolia allows you to tweak. You can define weights for certain concepts or for certain pages. So what we did was we ended up lowering the weight for the release notes because only a very, very limited portion of people <laughs> reads the release notes um and that allowed us to like boost the the right pages to the top and always put it on the first pla place uh when searching for this um so, Michael, yeah. let me let me ask you a question is this do you cover all this stuff in in devrel uni yeah yeah all the ah, knowledge is covered <laughs> okay. very cool very cool very cool wow so yeah it, it's yeah. it's a very fun thing, and it's like people think like, "Oh, documentation is just about writing content," but you can already see there is like a wide range of anal analytics and like tooling skills you need yes. to make it really good. Yeah. yeah, 
take it to the next level. So, okay, yeah. that brings us to the next topic that, that we, we were kind of talking about stuff before we went on, uh, which is content analytics. Um, yes. And, I mean, you, you just mentioned one aspect of it there, which is analyzing the search activity on your site and then tuning Algolia and helping that to identify missing parts of, of documentation. But let's just step back a little bit and introduce the subject of content analytics and how what you do with it. Yeah. So in general, content analytics allows us to, first of all, detect problems in our docs. Um, if there are a lot of people dropping off at certain pages, um, maybe there's an unclear call to action or a link is broken. Um, and in general, we use it to just measure how many people complete our getting started section, how many people read certain tutorials. Um, and yeah, we, it, it allows us to, to also find content gaps or yeah, and just in general, find problems in our documentation. So how does it work? I mean, is there specialist tools or what, what do you use? So personally, I prefer using Google Analytics because okay. it's still one of the better tools. With a side note, um, using Google Analytics in the EU is not yeah. very legal. Um, there are alternatives, but they do not return the same results. So if you're analyzing the US segment of your uh, documentation, then you're good. <laughs> Um, and one thing specifically I really like using is the user flow analysis that Google Analytics, Analytics provides. So you can say, we often link people to the landing page of our documentation and Google Analytics allows you to set a landing page. So obviously we set it to the first page and then we can like really analyze where people navigate on our docs. And for example, we want to know how many percent what the percentages of people completing our getting started. And uh, you can see like 50% dropped off after the first page, and then they went to three different pages. Um, so it really helps us understand like and optimize and do A-B testing. If we make changes, like does it improve or did we make it worse? And for example, one of the funny problems we had was um, a lot of people were like, jumping back and forth between tutorials. And we realized that at some point we forgot to write down one requirement, which was pretty key <laughs> to complete the next step. And the next step assumed you, you had this requirement already done. So a lot of people were like jumping back, forth, back and forth between the two tutorials, creating the key they needed, and then going back to the original page. Ah. Um, so that's something that you can solve or like can detect using the user flow. Um, and also just, we want to understand like how many people drop off and we try to improve this page, uh, to see if it improves the drop-off rate or the bounce rate. But in, in general, it's a very neat tool to understand what your users are thinking and doing. I like this philosophy, um, because a lot of people treat documentation as one and done, right? You just bash yeah. it, get the text up there, put it live. That's it. Yeah, but there's a whole aspect of like A-B testing. We designed the process with like monthly meetings. We try to define three to five goals we want to improve or like problems we detected. We try to implement the solution and measure it before we implemented it and then measure it after a month again or like after two weeks and see if it changed or not. Um, we're not, not doing like A-B testing where we show like 50% of the users one, one version of the docs and that's too much. We just implement the change and see what results it, it sure. gives. 
And where did you learn the, this practice of content analytics? Is, is it something that you guys came up with naturally yourselves? Did you learn it somewhere else? It, it, it happened by chance, I think. I was just exploring Google Analytics and see what I could do with the data it gave me for our docs website. And I stumbled across the user flow analysis. And you can even, the fun thing is you can segment users. So you can segment the new users and existing users or, or all the users. So it's also very interesting to see uh, what new users are doing and how it differs from existing users. Um, Apart from DevRel Uni, where you, you cover this material, I'm sure, have you done any conference talks on this? This is super interesting. Not yet. Uh, yeah, you probably should. Wow. I, I'm in the progress of applying to multiple conferences um, to discuss some of the things from uh, the DevRel Uni. Yeah. Okay, so if anyone's running a conference and you're listening to this, yes, hit me up. Since your proposal on content analytics, I want to see it. <laughs> that is, from my experience talking to lots of people in the developer relations space and uh, just generally in, in software industry of the last 20 years, uh, content is is such a poor stepchild, um, and almost universally, my experience of companies mm. that have done it. Uh, and you know, my, my my wife was a technical writer in SAP. Uh, oh, yeah. Previous yeah. life, right? So I, I kind of insights into how they did their stuff. And mm-hmm. the idea of content analytics is uh, not something that I've ever heard executed to the extent that you are doing it. Do you hmm. think it's? I mean, do you think? Do you think it's starting to become more widespread? Do you think people are starting to realize they have to do it, or is it still something that most people mm. are not even aware of, like me? I think a lot of teams know they could or should do it, yeah. but the the problem often is docs teams are under immense pressure. I would say often um, they're very understaffed in many companies, at least maybe not the bigger enterprise companies. Um, and they have a lot of work already, but like keeping in sync with the product team, with the engineering team, sometimes even syncing with marketing, creating new tutorials. So I do understand that they sometimes do not have the time to like look into the analytics. Um, and I'm also a bit like promoting for, or like rooting for like documentation people that are like free, skilled in like these kind of analysis things. Um, they are focused on like the structure, the analytics, the documentation search, and they don't have to care about all the other things like creating content. They just focus on like optimizing the overall developer experience of your docs. And if you have someone, if you're if you're like a Stripe or another company, you definitely have the budget, I assume, to hire someone that like specifically does this work, and it it will pay the benefits. I mean, it does sound like there's a lot of overlap with the traditional. Uh, I suppose social marketing activity, that type. Of yeah. yeah, it's it's just the mindset of like regular marketing content analytics applied to documentation. In the yeah. end, it's a product I mean, as well. It's not rocket science, but I no very few people do it. Right? Wow, true. Uh, okay, I think that is um, that kind of wraps us up. Um, Michiel, thank you so much. Uh, super, super. Uh, thank you. Super, super yeah. interesting stuff. Um, and you know, I think because <clears throat> I, I do this a lot and talk to a lot of people, I think I know everything. But no, uh, that's. that's <laughs> I always like having new guests. You always learn something new. Um, 
I can tell you right now, this idea of content analytics is something that um, I'm going to start thinking about how we can use ourselves. So mm. thank you so much. Uh, please do a conference call. Several on it. I think this needs wider. <laughs> People need to know about this. Um, especially the practice of it, right? And even even things like yeah. Algolia. Wow. Um, of course you can tweak it, but uh, you know you just have to go Spend for it. Time on it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Awesome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You can find the transcript of this podcast and any links mentioned on our podcast page at voxgig.com podcast. Subscribe for weekly editions where we talk to the people who make the developer community work. For even more, read our newsletter. You can subscribe at voxgig.com newsletter or follow our Twitter at voxgig. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.